We're going to be looking uh, quite a few places in the Bible today, and they're going to be shown on the screen. But um, if you don't have a Bible app on one of these, or you don't have a Bible app on one of these, uh, we'd be happy to give you a Bible. And uh, it's yours uh, to keep. All you have to do is just raise your hand, and uh, uh, Mike uh, Horan in the back will uh, pass one to you. Anybody? Okay, we're good. Uh, we've had uh, a full month of messages on running on empty. And we looked at uh, four of them so far, and, and today is supposed to be the conclusion of the matter. And so uh, what I'm going to be doing is summarizing the four that we've been to, show you what they have in common, and then what we should be doing as a result. So uh, let's start out with a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we want to thank you for your word. Again, we thank you. Lord, we just thank you that you've given us new life. You've given us spiritual understanding. Uh, for those of us that have put our, our faith and trust in you, we understand that the Bible is, is all true. You, it's written by you uh, through uh, 40 different authors uh, to bring this book that we have in front of us. And Lord, we thank you that it all works together. So Lord, I, I just pray that you would open our minds and our hearts this morning to understand a kind of a, a revelation to us that is extended all the way from the beginning of the Bible, you know, through to uh, the end. So Lord, we, uh, we just give you this time. We just pray that uh, it would glorify you. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, we're going to start out uh, in uh, the 3rd of March. Uh, Pastor Ken had a, uh, his, his first uh, message, had the, uh, the verse that he used, the text that he used, was in Matthew chapter 11, uh, verses 28 to 30. Uh, Matthew, Luke, uh, Mark, Matthew 27, uh, 11. I know you can do this faster when you got your, your Bible apps, especially when pages don't stick together. All right, so Matthew 11, uh, verses 28 to 30. Uh, I'll read them for you. I have them on the screen, good. Come unto me, all you, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. Okay, that was the text for the first message. And I want to remind you that the term yoke implied here is a double oxen yoke. Uh, and what you have is an untrained ox paired up with a, a mature, you know, trained ox. And the way the yoke is made is that there's it's always comfortable for the trained ox, but for the untrained ox who is beside him, if he gets behind or in front or he gets off, the, you know, he wants to go a different direction, it's going to hurt. I mean, it's going to be uncomfortable at first, but eventually it's going to hurt. And that way the untrained ox learns to follow the, the one that's trained, his mentor, you might want to say. And Jesus is saying, you know, 
you, when I have a job for you, I'm going to have a yoke and I'm going to be on it. I'm going to be the strength. I'm going to be the one that's pulling. But you need to follow me. So when Jesus says, you know, come unto me, you know, take my yoke upon you, you're going to have rest. And I guarantee you that uh, when we decide that we're going to do what we want to do, when we're going to decide that we want to get ahead of God, when we decide that we are, I don't know, just I don't want to do it today, uh, you know, type of delay, that we're going to feel uncomfortable somehow. You know, the Holy Spirit is going to work on us. And it could be that, you know, if we're really disobedient, that God will have uh, a, a definite message to us that we're going to, we're going to know that we're, we're uh, uh, not doing what God wants us to do. So, so Pastor Ken's uh, message <clears throat> was, does our ministry become burdensome at times? At times, I mean, everybody, you know, when you're working on something and you wonder, ah, I really don't feel like doing it today, I don't have the energy today, or I'm sick, or, you know, I mean, there's sometimes when God makes you sick just to make you sit down and talk to him. Uh, does it often seem that our tank is running on empty? Can anyone besides me admit uh, that sometimes we're running ahead of, lagging behind, or maybe even going the wrong direction? So... And that's, uh, that's really the, the feeling that we get when we know that we're not doing what the Holy Spirit wants us to do. And so Jesus, as we read in here, we see that Jesus is gentle and lowly of heart. So it's not, you know, he's not, he doesn't have the whip on us. Uh, he's gentle about it. Uh, we either learn the easy way or we learn the hard way. But uh, why would we prefer to be burdened with heavy responsibilities that we lay on ourselves instead of what he has laid on us. He never, he never tries us beyond our ability to deal with it and always gives us a, a way of escape. And so why are we trying to do something that's not God's will in our lives? It's really important to know his will. So he wants to lead us in the way, in his way and his time, uh, resulting in rest in our souls. That was, that was the first week. Now... In the, uh, in the second week, on the, on the 10th of this month, uh, we go to Isaiah chapter 40 and uh, 28 to 31. Uh, I think I'm going to put my place mark in here in uh, Matthew because I'm going to be coming back to it. Psalms, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, Song of Solomon, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Lamentations, Ezekiel, Daniel. Isaiah, Isaiah 40. Okay, 40, 28. And we'll be coming back to Isaiah again also, so we can put another bookmark in there. Um, Isaiah 40, verse 28, starting that. Have you not known, have you not heard the everlasting God, the Lord, their creator, of the heavens and the earth, neither faints nor is weary. His understanding is unsearchable. He gives power to the weak, and to those who have no might, he increases strength. Even the youths shall faint and be weary, and the young men shall utterly fall. But, I love those words, but, but those who wait upon the Lord 
shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. So the Lord's strength and understanding never diminishes. But ours do. You know, even the young, you see them around here, especially before and after service, it seems they have boundless energy. But you let them run long enough and they'll fall asleep on you. So that's the key, you know, just let them run it out. Uh, Don't give them any more sugar. (laughs) Okay, even the understanding of the mature needs the wisdom that only God can provide. But when we are serving the Lord, he gives us whatever energy and understanding we need for the job he has for us at that moment. It's there for us. But how often is our definition of waiting on the Lord mean using all our energy and developing all our intellect on tasks that aren't according to his will? Before asking what we should be doing for him. See, we can do that. I don't have time. Well, why? Well, uh, you know, I've been doing a bunch of other things. It, it, it's a matter of priorities, and every, every one of these sermons, the last four sermons have been about priorities. So the Lord has faithfully promised to be yoked with us. I have a job for you. Climb in the yoke with me. I have the strength. I have the direction. I have the timing. So what, what he, uh, all we have to do then is just follow him. I mean, what... That, so the, the, whole, the whole point here is that, that uh, I will renew my strength because most of the strength comes from him and, and I will uh, be rested after I get finished. Uh, one of the things we run into is that I, you know, I'm so worked up after doing something and I'm completely fatigued and I just have to fall down and collapse. Well, whose energy was I using? So we've got to be careful that we're... We're using what, the God, what God wants for us when he wants it. So if we waste the energy he gives up, we'll end up lagging behind him and, and feeling the ache of physical weariness, weariness. And if we don't listen to the wisdom he provides, we'll usually try to go the wrong direction. And we'll feel the pain of mental fatigue. Why am I doing this? Who cares what I'm doing? You see, you know, I don't know whether you've ever felt that way, but, but if you... Uh, if you know it's God that wants you to do it, then you know you're on the right path and you won't be getting off. And so you won't have that mental fatigue. So why should we not be a good listener to the Holy Spirit and good stewards of all the things that he's provided? That was week number two. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to summarize. I'm going to put all these together for you in a minute. Okay, week number three, we're still in Isaiah, but go to chapter 26. And 26 and verses uh, three and four. You will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. Trust in the Lord forever for in God, the Lord, is everlasting strength. So, uh, again, we see that God has unlimited strength. He controls every situation. There's no surprises to God. Uh, He controls everything that happens to us, either as a a job that he will help us uh, accomplish or uh, a trial in our lives 
that we have to, have to know enough not to, not to do. Uh, our big problems are small to him. You know, sometimes we think, oh, this is too big for God. Oh, this is too complicated for God. Well, it may be complicated to us, but not for him. So we, have, we are troubled because we have wasted his provisions on the activities that are right in our own eyes, but off the mark from his plans or his timing. So peace comes when we receive trust and obey the understanding that comes from a close communication with the Lord. And so remember, Pastor, talking about, you know, even in our relationships to each other, uh, you know, we may be, if we're, if we're away from God, he's at the top. If we're away from God, we're not going to agree with each other. And it's important for us to, to climb that slope so that we are, uh, we are with uh, God in, in mind. So peace comes when we do that, and no burden will ever be too great because he will never give you a burden that you can't handle. And weariness will never be an issue because the physical and spiritual strength he provides will always meet his task and always leave us rested. Um, So why not work with the Lord instead of trying to help him out? How many times do we help him out? How many times do we think... uh, I think God needs this to happen. That person isn't behaving right, and I'm going to straighten them out. Or uh, the Bible isn't written right, I think I'll rewrite it. Or, you know, no, you don't do things like that. We have to uh, work with the Lord. All right, and last week, uh, we looked at Matthew chapter 6. I said to put your bookmark in there, so go back to Matthew. Uh, chapter 6 and verse 31-34. It was all about worry. Remember last week? Do not worry, saying, What shall we eat? What shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? For after all these things the Gentiles seek. For your Heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry, its, well, will worry about its own things. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Um, you know, one of the biggest things we run into, I, I noticed, I actually lived through this myself, is that financial problems are the things that, that break more marriages apart than anything else. And uh, in my particular case, it was keeping up with the Joneses. But the Joneses were millionaires. I mean, you know, I was an engineer. I mean, I was a pretty well-paid engineer, but, you know, there was a world of difference. But spending money on things that you don't really need. And so the Bible says that my God shall supply all of your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. And it's important to, uh, to just check and say, you know, maybe I got some money, but what should that money be used for? Uh, some people, I, I know a fellow who he would get together in his family and he'd, he would say, we have an extra X amount of dollars. What shall we do with it? And they pray about it. And they say, you know, here's a person over here who is really having a problem. Let's give it to them. Whoa. I mean, that's a, that's a concern for others not to expect something in return, but just doing what God wants. And that's, uh, he sees a need. Or it could be timing. It could be, could be painting walls. 
like is going on over the Bender's house. I don't know whether you saw the, the Facebook on that, but it's, uh, you know, giving your time, giving your talent. So it's not just the treasure. Uh, you know, taking time to go, go visit somebody who hasn't been able to come to church. And, uh, all right, so we have the verse. Now, since God is in control over every situation, there will be two outcomes for every situation. All right. As a babe in Christ, we will feel we are responsible to do something for the Lord in exchange for what he did for us on the cross. I mean, that's kind of a natural reaction, I think. Somebody has done something for you. I mean, that's the way the world works. And we think we have to do something for God. But by not seeking his will, we worry about what to do. And instead of asking him, we do our own thing and... A lot of times we end up making things worse, don't we? Uh, I just found out about Jesus Christ. I want to tell you all about him. And, yeah, well, <laughs> sometimes that works, and sometimes it doesn't. And it's a matter of waiting for God's time, waiting for the, uh, the right situation to come up, uh, making, making sure the, uh, the right words are there that, that open up uh, the, the topic of conversation. So hopefully somewhere in the process we learn that God said he will build the church. God will build the church. Remember the whole discussion with Peter. Peter, you are the rock, really the, the pebble. But upon this rock, talking about himself, he says, I will build my church. Now Peter had a lot to do with it. Uh, you know, as you read, I mean, he was the one that introduced the, the, uh, the Jews uh, to the Holy Spirit. He was one that, uh, that worked with the, uh, the Gentiles and he was one that worked for the... Okay, what's in between? Somebody help me here. My brain. Samaritans. Okay, I and mean, he did each one of those things. So Peter was very involved. And, you know, as you read through the, the, the books of First and Second Peter, you realize what a huge difference God made in Peter's life. You know, he wasn't just a guy who stuck his foot in his mouth all the time. He had, he had the perfect words, you know, the ones to say, the ones that worked in the hearts. He was filled with the Holy Spirit, and the Spirit was, was working in the hearts of people that he talked to. He was involved, but Jesus said, I will build my church. And we've got to understand that we can't change a person's mind. It's got to be the Holy Spirit that does it. So, and hopefully somewhere in the process we will learn that... that uh, to pray for uh, his calling in our own lives and for wisdom on how to, how to progress. So, uh, what's well, step number two? You know, or, or situation number two, outcome number two. As we pressed on to maturity, we will learn to seek and follow his plan, be thankful for a better result than we could have hoped for, and the Lord will be glorified. So instead of being in a, in a position where I'm just going to do my own thing and make things worse, I'm actually going to ask God you know, for, the, for the right approach. And he's going to... Uh, see, he is the one that's glorified because he is the one that works in hearts. So worry comes from ignorance. Flat out. You say, well, I'm not ignorant. I'm smart. Well, now we're... On a scale from zero to where God is in terms of understanding, you know, we're, we're down on the noise. Uh, we're still ignorant. And it's not until we 
have spent, I don't know, a couple million years with him in heaven as we're going to get above that, that line. I think we're going to learn more and more as we get to heaven. I'm looking forward to that. <clears throat> so in James chapter 1 and verse 5, God has promised to give wisdom to anyone who asks. Uh, if any man lack wisdom, let him ask of, of God, who giveth to all men liberally and upbraideth not. So he's not going to make fun of us. Uh, he's going to give us uh, the wisdom we need for the situation. So worry serves only one purpose. And God gave us worry. We're supposed to worry. But it's to remind us to hand our concern to the Lord and let him solve the concern himself, either by uh, helping us understand what the situation is, or he may work through somebody else, or he might work through us. You don't have to solve everything. I don't have to solve everything. What we need to do is pray uh, for the answer, not worry. All right, uh, I want you to observe a couple things about those four sermons. All right, notice that each one of those sermons entitled Running on Empty pointed out benefits to us. Okay, the first one, rest for our souls instead of a burdened life. Number two, strength and endurance instead of weariness and fatigue. Number three, peace instead of insecurity. And four, confidence instead of worry. But we would be self-centered self-centered if we only thought of the benefits to ourselves personally. And that's a lot of what we did as we went through those things. Well, how can I benefit? Why, is, why do I want to do this? Because it would benefit me. Well, let's look at another way. Notice why we can be rested, strengthened, at peace, and confident. Number one, same sermon. Jesus is in the yoke with us to carry the burden he has given to each of us. See, it's all about Jesus. Every one of these is all about Jesus. We need to have our focus on Jesus. Number two, second week, Jesus never tires or lets us tire as he helps us to carry that burden. Again, it's all about Jesus. Third week, Jesus gives us peace as we learn we can trust him to never leave us. He's always with us, and we're always going to mount up with wings as eagles because he's the one that's uh, he's the power behind it all. And on the fourth week, Jesus gives us understanding and wisdom as we share our concerns with him, and he reveals his solutions to us. See, there's two ways of looking at things, and if we just look at ourselves, what do I get out of this? I think we're really missing the point. Uh, I don't know whether you noticed it this morning, but all of our praise songs had to do with what Jesus does, how God is there for us, how he cares for us. And everything had to do with God being a source of, of every benefit in our lives. So getting our minds off ourselves is that important thing. Uh, and, and understanding that Jesus is the most important name and person in the Bible. Uh, the whole Bible is about Jesus. You, know, it's, you could say history is his story. Uh, his actions have one purpose, and that's to provide a perfect 
creation in us in perfect agreement with his perfect character. Now, he doesn't do this to glorify himself. He is glory. But what he does is he wants everything to be glorious. He wants us to be glorious. Uh, those of us who, who are following him, he's going to bring us to glory. So his work in us has that purpose uh, to produce in us perfect character like his. He wants us to have perfect character. Be holy as God is holy. Some people say, oh, I can never do that. That's impossible. Why even think about it? Because God wants to do that in us. And it's not something that we can do. It's not something that we uh, you know, can take a seminary course on how to be holy. Uh, you know, you're, you're, once in a while you hear about a guy who says, uh, you know, I got a book back there I want you to buy. It's humility and how I achieved it. You know, you don't do that. Um, like I, I mentioned, you know, the, the women are studying the fruit of the Spirit. Uh, the fruit of the Spirit, there's one Spirit in us, and there's one fruit in us, it's called love, and all the rest of it are the descriptions of that. You don't have one and not another. You have the fruit of the Spirit, but we need to let the Spirit take over our lives. So it's his perfect character that we worship today and all the songs we've been singing and, and, and what, I, what I hope this, this message uh, will bring out. It's his perfect character that each child of his uh, seeks to display in our own lives. We, we want that, uh, but we don't know how, and a lot of times we give up because our tank is empty. Which brings us to the conclusion on running on empty. I've got more than one page on this, so don't get excited about getting up right away. Got lots of time. Okay, back to Matthew. Uh, this time, chapter 22. I want to point out something. 22, verses 34 to 38. Now, there's really the... Uh, the last couple of verses on here are the ones that are, that are really important. Um, <clears throat> so 34, uh, G, well, before this, uh, Jesus had already made the Sadducees look like fools. And so what they, the other, what, what they did is they got this, uh, this one Pharisee, the lawyers, the ones who know everything. And, but when the Pharisees heard that he had silenced the Sadducees, they gathered together. Then one of them, who had been picked out, you know, he's got the, the, the best question. A lawyer asked him a question, testing him, saying, Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Jesus said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and great commandment. Now, he went in to talk about the second commandment, which is loving others. But... I want to center on this one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. <clears throat> now Jesus was quoting Deuteronomy 6.5, which is a summary of the first four commandments that God had given to Moses on Mount Sinai. Uh, and you can read them in Exodus 20. <clears throat> oh, 
Hey, that's interesting. A feedback from my hand. So Exodus 20 was given to the Israelites leaving Egypt. Uh, the book of Deuteronomy was given to the next generation. Remember that whole generation had to, had to uh, die in the wilderness as a result of their unbelief. So the whole book of Deuteronomy was given to the generation of Israelites before they entered Canaan, uh, the promised land. And Matthew 22 was given to those who would follow Jesus. So really this has is, this is gone uh, you know, all the way from Moses' time to present day because we just read it today and that's a command for us. So we who follow Jesus are to love him. So that's the big question. How do you do that? Well, the Greek word to love here is agape, which means a sacrificial love. But what kind of sacrifice is it when we are the beneficiaries of Christ's love? I'm going to benefit from this. Is that a sacrifice to me? Well, there is, there is a sacrifice in here. So consider Romans 12, 1 and 2. <clears throat> I beseech you, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service or reasonable worship. Present your body as a living sacrifice. Okay, by being a living sacrifice means we are to live, guess where? In that yoke that Jesus said, come unto me, you who are, are weary and heavy laden. Live in that yoke with Jesus, relying on his presence, he's always going to be with us, his strength and his wisdom. Is that a sacrifice? Well, not unless we consider verse 2. So let's go on to verse 2. Romans 12, 2. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. There's a sacrifice. We've got the world all around us. The world looks so good. Madison Avenue is there because... They make people think that they need, you know, this perfume, this deodorant, this clothes, uh, these shoes, uh, you know, this kind of house. Uh, watch this old house sometime. You know, they, they pour more, more money into a house than I think you could have bought my house five times over. The, uh, anyway, the, the point is that, that uh, we've got to give up what the world wants. So there is the challenge. Do not be conformed to this world. So that's the hold, the hold, that Satan has over us. So if we uh, go over to 1 John chapter 2, and uh, verses 15 to 17. 1 John. 3 John's Jude, Revelation. It's after James. 1 John chapter... Oh, I forgot about Peter, but... Okay. Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of a father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the father, but is of the world. And the world is passing away and the lust of it. But he who does the will of God abides forever. See, that's what Madison Avenue is all about, the lust of the eyes. Uh, so how can we ignore the world when we're constantly see it in 
storefronts, store windows, you know. Uh, I think Marianne and I stopped walking in Marketplace Mall because the first thing we hit was, was uh, you know, the ones with the pink bags, you know. Never mind. You don't need to know. So we see it in storefronts. We see it in, in, win in newspapers. Uh, we see it on TV. We see it on the Internet. Uh, so I'd like you to know that we're not alone in this. Uh, I'd like you to go over to Psalm 73. 70, Psalm 73 is, is uh, refreshing, uh, I believe, to, to all. Because here we have a guy named Asaph who has the same problems we do. So in verses uh, 3 through 7, For I was envious of the boastful when I saw their prosperity of the wicked, for there are no pangs in their death. They, they just die. They don't suffer. Uh, but their strength is, is firm. They're not in trouble as other men. Never have to worry about going to court. They always they bought the judge out already. Nor are they plagued like other men. Therefore, pride serves as their necklace. Violence covers them like a garment. Their eyes bulge with abundance. They have more than a heart could wish. So, and we're jealous of them. They have the nice houses. They got a pool in the backyard. They got, they got their own gardener. They don't take care of everything. Uh, they wear really nice clothes all the time. Uh, but let's move over to verse 11. And here's, here's what their, their attitude is. And they say, how does God know? And is there any knowledge in the Most High? See, they don't have to answer to God. They don't believe in God. They don't believe that God gave them something for a purpose. We know that God gives us so we can give it away. We're the conduit for God's love, for his provisions. The aqueduct, you might, you might say. You know, they had aqueducts in, in Jesus' time. So it seems that what everyone else does and gets away with must be okay for me. But what everyone else is doing is following the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. We don't want to be that way. Uh, when I was a teenager, I'd, I'd say, Dad, I want, a, I want a DA. Now, DA was a haircut. Uh, ducks, whatever. Anyway, to the back, and you know, it's, it's, it's got a curves up in the front and curves in the back, and then there's this, this part you know, in the middle of the back that doesn't really part anything. That's where everything meets. Uh, can I get a DA? It's what Elvis Presley had. All right. Shows my age. Now, uh, my dad said, sure. And as soon as I see it, I'm going to shave the whole thing off. I said, well, everybody else does it. Everybody else has one. He says, well, uh, I don't care what everybody else does. You're not going to do it. And so, uh, you know, here we have this everyone else uh, excuse. And that's not a good rationale for doing uh, what we sometimes come up with. So after his crying out, crying his heart out to God, Asaph went on to say, and we're going to start in verse 16 now. 
When I thought to understand this, it was too painful for me. Why am I so poor? Why am I so, you know, how come I don't have all of these things? Uh, Then I understood their end. Surely you set them in slippery places. You cast them down to destruction. So I want to go to 19. Oh, how they are brought to desolation. As in a moment, they are utterly consumed with terror. And so, uh, you know, all we see is the good side. Uh, You get all the Hollywood magazines, you know, and everything is just great, great, great. Until you realize that every one of them eventually, you know, divorce, suicide, and all kinds of things that they, uh, uh, they get involved in that just ruin their lives. So if we go on in, in uh, Psalm 73, uh, let's go to verse uh, 22. I was so foolish and ignorant, I was like a beast before you. Nevertheless, I am continually with you. So he recognizes he's with God. You hold me by my right hand. You guide me with your counsel. And afterwards, after this life, you receive me to glory. See, he's looking at all the promises that God has for him. Whom have I in heaven but you? And there is none upon earth that I desire besides you. My flesh and my heart fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. So repeating verse 25 uh, I'll just repeat it here. Whom have I in heaven but you? And there's none upon earth that I desire besides you. That needs to be our attitude. Instead of worrying about everything you read in the paper, or the world's coming apart, everybody's fighting everybody, uh, somebody might come through that door right now with a submachine gun and you know shoot us all and that sort of thing. But if we truly need, the Lord, if we truly know the Lord. Now we're, we're talking here about a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. If we truly know, lo, know the Lord, we don't need a commandment to love him. See, so he's saying, love me. I mean, that is a command, but why would we need a command when we see all the promises that God has for us? Uh, Psalm 42, uh, back up 30 chapters. You got it on the screen already, I know. Uh, verses 1 and 2. And we got a song, you know, call this. As the deer pants for the water brook, so pants my soul for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God and for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? Because I can't wait to get to heaven. There's a person who lives with Jesus Christ, wants to keep going with Jesus Christ, and it's just a graduation when he dies. There's not going to be a change for him because Jesus is the focus of his attention now. So if we truly know the Lord, we don't need a commandment to love his word. Now let's go to Psalm 19, and that's, uh, that's, uh, I'm almost there, 27. Psalm 19, uh, 7 through 11. And this is another song we have. Uh, We used to sing this in children's church. It's got several verses in it. The law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise is simple. And then the next verse is, The statutes of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandments of the Lord is pure and light in the eyes. Now the third verse, The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The judgments of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. Then the chorus, 
is more to be desired are they than gold, yea, than much fine gold, sweeter also than honey and the honeycomb. And then when you finally get to the end, moreover by them is their servant warned, and a keeping of them there is great reward. So it's not just loving God. You know, it's loving his word. So in, in conclusion, how, this is, this is the end of, of our tank running empty. Get in the yoke. So in conclusion, how do we answer Jesus when he says, come to me and seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness? Those were the first and fourth week. How do we answer Isaiah when he says, wait on the Lord and trust in the Lord? We must look again at the words of Asaph in Psalm 73. 73. And verses 22, 26. I was so foolish and ignorant, I was like a beast before you. Nevertheless, I am continually with you. You hold me by my right hand. You will guide me with your counsel and afterward receive me to glory. Whom have I in heaven but you? And there is none upon earth that I desire besides you. My flesh and my heart fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. This psalm was written by Asaph under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit to encourage our faith in Jesus Christ. And Jesus, and as Jesus said many times, if any man has ears to hear, let him hear. We've heard God's word this morning. Get in the yoke. Rely on him. Choose his direction because it's going to hurt if you don't. You might be doing something that he has for somebody else to do. I mean, it could be that. Or you could be doing something that maybe you shouldn't be doing at all. I don't know. But, but the point is that God has a purpose for each one of us. We are a body in Christ. We are parts and every one of us has something that God wants us to do. And it's important for us to find out what is that. Tell me what yoke to get in here, God. So even though waiting on the Lord is an activity, that activity can be, if you're just starting out, you say, I don't know what I'm doing. Then the thing to do first is to pray. And that's an activity. Praying is not easy. Praying is burying your soul. You don't have to bear it to anybody else. You bear it in prayer. The Bible says when you pray, pray in secret. God will reward you openly. Pray in your closet. I've never done that. Because we've always had kids around. I said, what are you doing in the closet? The point is to get alone. Uh, you say, God, I need a time to pray and to worship you. Please make a time for me. And don't be surprised if he wakes you up at 3 in the morning. Okay, it might just be for an hour or something like that, but it's important to take that time, talk to him, make it a personal relationship. Make sure that you know what God wants you to do. Make sure you're taking his directions. And life will be all that we saw there. We won't get weary. We won't get disappointed. And we won't be anxious. And all of those things are going to go smoothly because God is in control. Let's make it that way. Let's pray.